So that was a quote from a book by John Hackerman. And um, I thought the start of this just to kind of capture our imagination. What if, what if CLF hired Ed White as a consultant and Ed asked the same question to us? What business are you in? How would we answer this question? Some of you might think, well, we're not a business, we're a church. And that's right, we are a church. But what if, what if he turned around and asked the question this way? What if Ed said this? What is CLF busy doing? If you think about the etymology of the word business, does come from busyness, something we do. What would we say? Would we say, are we busy worshiping? Fellowship? Perhaps service? Prayer? Maybe evangelism? Discipleship? How we answer this question determines what sort of church we are. Gives us a bit of something to reflect upon. Are we the kind of church that Jesus wants us to be? Or are we the church that Jesus builds? And so for this morning, I've chosen talk about the topic of church. Why? Because I think it's important, especially for the health of CLF, to have a correct understanding of what a church is. To have a correct ecclesiology, if I was to use that theological word. And we'll um, get to understand that word a little better as we go. So we're going to look at three questions around this topic. So what is a church? What is it like? And what does it do? So what is a church? What is it like? What does it do? So let's start with our first one. What is a church? And we all know this one. A church is a people, not a place. A church is a people, not a place. Let's see where that comes from in the Bible. In Matthew chapter 16, verses 17 and 18, Jesus tells Peter something very important. Peter had just confessed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and Jesus says to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. So according to chronological events, in time and place, this is the first mention of church ever to be recorded in the Bible. Matthew is not the first book written in the New Testament, but in the sequence of chronology, when the church was brought up 
This is the first one we find in Bible. And it comes straight from the mouth of Jesus. In fact, if you look at the Gospels and you survey them, Jesus only mentioned the church twice during his earthly ministry. Only twice. That's interesting. Once in Matthew 16 and the other in Matthew 18. The question to ask now is what did he mean by what he said? He said, I will build my church. What did he mean by that? What does church mean? And what did it mean at the time he spoke this? Did Jesus mean that the church is a building because he built it on a foundation made of a rock? Is that what he's meant here? That it's a place? Or is it something else? Now, if we look at the Greek word, um, New Testament's manuscripts are written in Greek, so we always go back to the original text. If we look at the Greek word for church, it's a word ecclesia, from which we get the word ecclesiology. Ecclesiology is just the study of church. It comes from the Greek word ecclesia. Ecclesia literally translates to a calling out. And it's a compound of two words. You have ek, which means out, and kaleo, which means to call. To call out. Ecclesia, or the church, is a calling out, an assembly. People are called out to meet somewhere, a gathering, a popular meeting. And the early church would have just understood this. When Jesus said, I'm building my church, he's saying, I'm building my assembly. I'm being building this meeting place. And the ancient Greco-Roman world would have never understood it to be a building. They never would have understood the church to be a building. They would have understood it as a meeting, a coming together, a gathering. An assembly. And Jesus said that he will build his assembly on this rock. What is this rock? Well, what did Peter just say to Jesus? What did Jesus, what did Peter say about Jesus to him? What did Peter confess to him? Jesus asked, who do people say I am? And so Peter kind of says, some people say you're like this, some people say you're that. And then Jesus asked, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now Jesus, what he means by build, by building his church, on this rock, he's saying that he builds his assembly on this confession, on this rock. However, it's not only built on a confession. Theologian Edmund Clowney writes of this account and he says, The confession cannot be separated from Peter, 
neither can Peter be separated from his confession. The two cannot be separated. They go hand in hand. The confessor and the confession. They can't be separated. So Jesus built his assembly on people who confess the truth about who he is. This is why we come together. Jesus said, and I'll tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Jesus is playing with two words here. Peter, which is a word meaning little pebble. And a rock, which is the word petra, which means a boulder. So this confession and this little pebble are important. This boulder is the foundation of why we come together. And the pebbles are us, the confessors, come together. Assembling as a church, Christ's church. So Jesus builds the church on confessors. And we assemble today as confessors of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we do this regularly, don't we? It's not just a once-off thing. We do it every Sunday. Jonathan Lehman once said in a talk on this topic of what is a church, he said, joining a church doesn't make Christians. <clears throat> joining Christians make a church. So we are... Christians, we are, to understand Christians this way, little Christs, who come together to make the church. And just a little footnote, um, the word Christian came as a slur. Um, people were, in the ancient world, just said, oh, those little Christs, those little Christs. We've just taken it upon us and used it. We thought that's great. We'll stick with that, even though it's come as a slur. So, joining Christians make a church. We cannot have a church unless we, as confessors, come together. This is something we do physically and regularly in a location. And one day, we will assemble in heaven as one big church. So theologians would make a distinction here. The church, the local church, and the universal church. And the local church is just a small picture of what the universal church is going to be in heaven. And the church is part of the kingdom of God, where Jesus is king and we are under his rule. You see, I can be at home all by myself. Sitting on the couch, I'm part of the kingdom. I might be reading my Bible, I might be watching TV, um, but I'm still part of his kingdom. When I come together here, and we are all together, then here we have our church, our assembly. A local one, and one day a future one. Jesus builds his church by bringing us together to confess his rule to one another and to the world. 
In the church, we do kingdom work. The church is part of the kingdom. The church is not a building, but a people who are built up into a church. It's a metaphor. It's not a location, but people, but a people who meet at a location. It's not a spiritual service provider, but a people who serve one another in love. This is what a church is. Now to our second question. What is it like? In all four Gospels, Jesus mentioned the church only two times. However, he spoke of the kingdom many times. In fact, he spoke of the kingdom 49 times just in the Gospel of Matthew alone. He positions himself as king of this kingdom. Um, Paul's letters mention the church 43 times and kingdom only 14 times. Kind of like, kind of like, because Paul was dealing a lot with churches. This is why he brought it up and spoke a lot about it. And um, though the church is positioned within the kingdom, we come to do kingdom work in the church and out. It's like an epicenter for kingdom learning. And it's within these epistles, these letters, that we find what the church is like. Especially in the epistles of the Pauls, who wrote not just the New Testament, we find a lot of wealth of knowledge there. We find that uh, the church is made up of several metaphors that give us a picture of what it is like. And metaphors are helpful. Because here we have a meeting place, but what is it like? We just sit on chairs, we listen. We could say that, but it quite doesn't paint the right picture for us. What is it like? So we have metaphors to help us understand what the church is like. And there are many of them, however, I just want to look at five. And I'll go through them fairly quickly. Um, we won't have a lot of time. Let's have a look at our first one. The church is a bride awaiting her wedding day. So in um, Ephesians uh, chapter 5, from 31 to 32, we read, Before a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is Paul quoting the Old Testament. He also states, says, This mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So here Paul is giving instruction about marriage and family. And then all of a sudden he says, Oh, this, this refers to the church. Marriage is just a picture of uh, the relationship between Christ and his people. And uh, in Revelation 19, verse 7 to 8, we read, Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. 
So one day there would be a wedding feast, a wedding. The church will be married to Jesus. And this is a future event. To describe the church as a bride waiting for her wedding day is to speak about the church's faithfulness and unity. The church is faithful to one husband, faithful to Jesus. And once the marriage has taken place, the church will be one with her husband. There's our unity. When we come together, we demonstrate that we are faithful to Jesus, looking forward to that, one, that, to that day when the church will be one with him. Our second metaphor that we find in the scriptures is that the church is a family. We are all children of God, according to the Gospel of John. Chapter 1, verse 12. And in 1 Timothy, chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, we read, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. In Galatians 6.10 So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. The household of faith. We are in a household of faith. We are family. We have a relational intimacy. We relate to one another. We have a shared identity. We identify with Jesus. We identify with God, who is our spiritual Father. We have a familiar familiarity with one another. That's what makes us a family. When we assemble, we are family treating one another as a brother, a sister, a mother, or a father. Now, our third metaphor is body. The church is a body. We heard uh, Ben mention this this morning. The church is a body. In Romans 12, verses 4 to 5, we read, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12, For just as the body is one, and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. We are a body. The church is a body, the body of Christ. We all have different roles, yet we are all mutually dependent. Simply, we all need each other in the same way as my hands, as my feet need my hands to tie shoelaces. Or oh, my lungs need holes in my face from the mouth or the nose to breathe. Mutual dependence. And we need each other the same way. When we gather, we all fulfill our part to build one another up. We depend on one another for this. Now our fourth metaphor, the church is a temple. In Ephesians chapter 2, from 19 to 22, we read, 
So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Here we have already a couple of metaphors. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So we, a church, an assembly, are a temple. And God specifically identifies and dwells with us when we come together. That is what a church is like. And lastly, the last metaphor, the church is an embassy. Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.20, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now, if we are ambassadors, then what is the church? An embassy, right? Let's look at it this way. Before Jesus ascended, Jesus said that all authority has been given to him. He is king of heaven and earth. And the church is part of his kingdom, a representation on heaven and earth. Just like the Australian embassy is a representation of Australia within another country. The church is a representation of Christ's kingdom on earth. It's an embassy. We are sent out from the church as ambassadors to the world, bringing the good news of Christ's kingdom. The church represents Jesus and his rule on earth. Now, I've only quoted a small fraction of Bible verses to describe these metaphors. I could have quoted a lot more, but as we don't have a huge amount of time, I thought a couple of verses for each one should be enough. Um, and there are also metaphors that I've left out. For example, um, the church is described as a field, uh, an olive tree, a flock, um, vine and branches. Um, the church is a wonderful place and there is nothing like it on earth. And these metaphors serve as a picture of what the church is about. Help us to capture our imagination. And one day all this would be much more than a metaphor when we are gathered in that one big church in heaven. So metaphors serve as a picture of what the church is about, what it is like to gather every Sunday. Now what does it do? What does a church do? Remember what I said earlier about what a church is? An assembly of confessors who proclaim the good news about Jesus. What we do here is proclaim the gospel around the confession of faith. That's why we have a statement of faith and so forth. That's why we come and we sing songs about this confession, about the gospel. We have gospel messages. We have gospel activities where we serve meet the needs of one another. 
And we do this in different ways every Sunday. We do it through our worship, our fellowship, prayer, evangelism, discipleship, service, all of those things. Why? Because this is what Jesus built his church on. Jesus built his church on the confession of confessors. And this is what our mission is. To proclaim the good news to one another and to the world. What else does a church do? We affirm one another's profession of faith through the ordinances of baptism and communion. What do I mean by this? When we have a person who commits to being baptised, they say, okay, I want to get baptised in the church. What are, they, what are they saying? They're saying, uh, here is my faith. I want to tell it to the world. I'm committing myself to baptism and I'm making this a profession of my faith. They're identifying with Christ, his death, his burial and resurrection. And they're the symbols we have in baptism. We go into the water and we come out. They're repenting from their old life of sin to a new life in Christ. What is the church's responsibility in this? Do we just sit back and watch like spectators at a football match? No. I've seen, I've seen churches do this before. The service goes on and over in the corner people are getting baptised. As though it's some sort of personal experience. doesn't have much to do with the church. So the church gets behind this decision. When someone chooses to be baptised, the church gets behind this decision. The church affirms this decision. The church supports this confessor by helping them to sustain their confession. This is what I mean. The church is making a statement that we are now partners in faith. We are going to walk side by side. This is why we make such a big deal about baptism here. Because the church as a whole gets behind the person getting baptised to affirm them, to support them. What about communion then? When we come to the table here to share communion, how do we affirm one another here? Well, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16 to 17, we read, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. In that last part, it talks about a oneness, one bread, one body. 
we are one because we all partake of that oneness. But in the first part of the passage I've just read, there's a word there, participation, which can be translated as fellowship. So the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a fellowship in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a fellowship in the body of Christ? It is like the fellowship of the ring, in Lord of the Rings. In that story, everyone joins Frodo Baggins in a partnership or a fellowship to destroy the ring. So participation is a fellowship. It can also be translated as partnership. When we come together to the table, we are coming together in partners, in a partnership, in a fellowship. And we affirm one another in this, in the partnership to proclaim the gospel. When we come together for communion, we all join one another to remember the life and death of Jesus. We all affirm our partnership in proclaiming the gospel. This is what we do as a church. And we also represent Christ and his rule on earth. Remember, Jesus is king. And we were assembled as a church within his kingdom, represent his rule. The church represents the rule of Jesus on earth. Now, before I come to a conclusion, I just want to sum up points that I've made here and what we've learned about. The church is an assembly of confessors who meet regularly to confess who Jesus is and the good news he offers. That's our confession. Jesus builds his church on this. There's no other way that Jesus will build his church. He didn't say to give us any other, any other options. When the church gathers together, it is like a bride, a family, a body, a temple, an embassy, so many others. So many other metaphors to help us to, to describe what the church is like. And what we do when we come together is proclaim the gospel and affirm one another's professional faith through the ordinances of baptism and communion. We represent Christ and his rule on earth. We are a people, a people of God. Now, when I started this message with a quote from a book, um, I didn't give you the whole quote. And I left one really sm small but very significant part left. I left it out. I thought I'd come back to it towards the end. So John Ackerman is writes about his friend, Ed White, who's a consultant, consults with churches, 
and Ed White asked the question, what business are you in? And some are in the business of providing one for worship, others a religious museum, and others activity in social justice. So one thing I left out here, and here's the rest of the quote, White says that there is just one business that the Gospels describe, the disciple-making business. Are we in the disciple-making business? Are we gathered here around our confession to build one another up so that we can go and make <coughs> disciples? Do we do this every Sunday? Just want to finish up with a couple more quotes which kind of help me um, check my understanding of what a church is. The first is by Jonathan Lehman. I've um, quoted him before. Um, a local church is a group of Christians who regularly gather in Christ's name to officially affirm and oversee one's membership in Jesus Christ and his kingdom through gospel preaching and gospel ordinances. And the second one is by Matt Jensen. And he said, God who called a nothing people to himself, gathered them around his son, filled them with his spirit, and sent them to proclaim his name among the nations. The best stuff in ecclesiology situates the church in the economy of redemption and sees it for what it is, the spirit-filled sign, foretaste, and entry point into God's kingdom, come in Jesus. Uh, Heavenly Father, we have just uh, learned so much about what a church is, what it's like, and what we do here. And we are absolutely grateful for your Son, who is King. Your Son, who builds the church on our confession builds the church on confesses. And we thank you, Lord, that um, for the Spirit who indwells within us. That reveals to us your word and helps us to apply it in all of life. Help us, Lord, to be the church that you want us to be, a people that you want us to be. Help us to always keep our eyes on Jesus and the good news he has for us. And help us to mould our hearts towards receiving this gospel in your grace daily. <coughs> 
your word says your mercies are brand new every day. Thank you for this. We ask that you provide us with opportunities to share the good news to the world.